Christmas has officially begun. You sang your first Christmas carol. <laughs> so um, I know that uh, sometimes people get a little anxious about that, and they're always wondering when songs and things are going to start being played and uh, things of that nature. But um, uh, I will say this, that... Uh, you know, it's it's a time that we get to sit back and really kind of think about what uh, Christ has done for us. Um, like I was saying this morning, I mean, just to realize the fact that Jesus never had a home to go to. He slept under olive trees. Um, that that just that's humbling. Um, you know, just understanding the fact that everything that you have is given to you by God, and uh, that that to me is just. Something that really needs to be focused on in the Christian life, just to sit there and, and contemplate contemplate that on like a daily basis. Um, but this morning, or this morning, <laughs> I'm just going to blame it on medication. That's all I'm going to do. Um, this morning, um, uh, we were talking uh, obviously about um, uh, you know the Lord and uh, the, the Mount of Olives and. And having a place to go in Christ in this uh, evening, I want to talk a little bit about uh, a subject of um, devotion. Um, you know, many times uh, I'll have individuals asking me, what's a good devotional? Um, and they will want that because the, the purpose behind devotionals and, you know, where they started and how they came about, you know, there's a lot of subject and speculation um, and really there's, there's no really good answer because it's not documented. So we can't say when the first devotional was printed, but we can definitely see, you know, around the time when some of them started and when some of them were actually, you know, what we have preserved and, and, uh, some of it goes back to, uh, really, 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 really early Ireland, um, and, uh, seeing some things that were printed there in old Gaelic language. Um, and, uh, they were obviously spiritual devotions. Um, but, you know, a lot of times people will use that word devotion without really understanding what it is. And, um, tonight I just want to see what the Bible says about things of devotion. And it's going to be a little bit different than what we think of with devotionals. And I only bring that up to kind of, if you will, establish a little bit of a principle. The concept behind a devotional is that on a daily basis, you are starting off the day and devoting it to God. That's the purpose behind the devotional. Now, regardless of when the devotion is had, whether it's in the morning or whether it's in the evening, uh, regardless of that, that, that that's kind of the idea is that uh, those periods of time, the, the purpose and the intent was to devote it to the Lord. Charles Spurgeon wrote one of uh, the uh, greatest devotional materials that exists. It's called Morning and Evening. And if you have an opportunity to get a hold of that book, I would encourage you to do it. I uh, Just make sure you don't get one of the ones that is rewritten in modern language. Because it gets a little weird sometimes. Um, because I don't think they understand what uh, Spurgeon was saying. So I would encourage you to get one of the original ones that has Spurgeon's words, not somebody that has edited it. 
And uh, the idea is, is that you have a morning devotion where you go to a passage of Scripture, you read that verse, and then he talks about some of the application behind it uh, for our day. And then he has one for the evening time that talks about the application of what we think of at the end of the day and how we're going to go through the next day. And it's, it's great material. There's another one that is uh, really good um, called um, Utmost, the Utmost for uh, My Highest. And that's specifically written by um, Oswald Chambers. He was a Scottish Baptist that wrote this. So you know it's going to be good because it's Scottish and it's Baptist. <laughs> so, but uh, I will tell you this. Um Go go to Psalm 39. I'm just going to say this real quick. This has nothing to do with the message, but it has a little bit to do with some of the devotional material. Uh, Psalm chapter 39. Uh, Oswald Chambers, and you've got to get the classic version. Not the modern classic, not the ones that are out there in the stores. You've got to hunt for this one. And pretty much the only stuff that I've been able to see is a lot of it is online and nobody publishes the classic, meaning his original words that he wrote. And when you read it, you feel like you just got slapped by a Scotsman, by a Baptist Scotsman. <laughs> and when I say slapped, I mean he he's very firm in his devotional material. Because the the concept behind it is, is he wanted to make sure that the Christian was refined by the word of God to be the utmost for Jesus Christ. That's why he titled it the way he titled it. And uh, again, I encourage you to to get a hold of some of that material. I encourage you, if you can, you know, you can get it sent to me email and, and really and do that on a daily basis. But, but I'm just going to warn you, it's going to be a slap down. And, Somebody says, well, you know, you really shouldn't be slapped by by somebody or you shouldn't do that. Well, did you realize that God slapped somebody? Psalm chapter 39. <clears throat> Psalm chapter 39. And uh, <clears throat> let's see here. Um, I want to get to this verse. Um, I'm looking for it here. Hold on a second. All right, verse 10. Remove thy stroke away from me. I am consumed by the blow of thine hand. Did you ever stop and read that in in the book of Psalms and just think about that, meditate on that for a while? Now, when God slaps us, it's not a physical slapping, okay? What he's talking about is conviction. He's talking conviction. And, and and very clearly, you know, obviously the psalmist here at this point needed it. This isn't a group of psalms where, uh, you know, there's a lamentation going on for the sins that are there. And we find here in this psalm very specifically, uh, um, he, he's, he's getting corrected. He's getting rebuked. I mean, back in the day, it used to be that if somebody was, was way out of line, you, you just went off and hauled off and slapped them to get them to think about that. Now, in this day and age, that's considered assault. <laughs> and in this country, we don't do that. Um, you know, unless you want to spend a, a, a few days in jail and go through the whole domestic violence, you know, program that, uh, we, you know, we, we, we don't do that. 
But what we find here is that the Lord, if you will, corrects us through that. And by the blow of it, he says here, by the blow of thine hand. In verse 11, it says, and when thou, uh, with rebukes, dost correct man for iniquity. This is, this is very clearly what he's talking about is the correction of the Lord. And at certain times, God needs to correct us. And how does he correct us? With the word of God. It's the two-edged sword. It will pierce you. It will cause you to, if you will, wince back and go, oh, with conviction. And the same thing, with, if you will, with the blow of his hand. It will cause you to kind of reel back and go, oh, what just happened? That's what the word of God does. And I will say there is only, you know, there, there's one devotion that utmost for his highest by Oswald Chambers. He really, truly, and it's not him that's doing it. It's what the Lord has used him to do, will get you convicted. And it will make you think about your day and what you do. So I encourage, you know, uh, I encourage every believer that starts asking questions about devotions. Well, what are some good ones? Those are the two. But you've got to be able to take Oswald Chambers. Because it's, it, it, again, it's not flowery. Oh, you're the best. You're going to rock this today. <laughs> he doesn't say that. <laughs> He's very, 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 very direct in, in, in it saying, you know, we need to, you know, get this out of our lives and we need to make sure that this is done. We need to mortify our members. I mean, he's rough. You think Paul was rude in speech. Man, try a Scotsman. <laughs> He's definitely, definitely, uh, got that down. But again, I recommend those. That's just kind of, if you will, a bit of a side note. But before we really get too much further into this, I, I just want to pray. And then we'll get started talking about this devotion. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for the time that we have this evening, Lord. And I thank you for a good day this morning. Pray, Lord, that uh, we would just continually be blessed tonight. Uh, by your word and by your Holy Spirit working in us. And Lord, I just pray you just uh, clear my mind. Uh, and again, Lord, just um, uh, that the words that are spoken would be pleasing and honoring unto you. And that, Lord, this uh, subject matter would be one that uh, causes us to reflect and think and think about exactly what we've devoted to God, uh, to you, Lord, and specifically um, when it comes to our lives. And Lord, again, I thank you for all that you've done for us. And these things I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you turn in your Bibles to the book of Leviticus? We're going to start talking about devotion in Leviticus. And Leviticus uh, wraps up the book. Uh, it it uh, covers these uh, vows, covers what is being given to God. And the word devotion and vow are, if you will, to a bit of a degree, synonyms. And we need to understand that because when we start looking at the definition, we'll read the definition here in just a minute, we'll find out very clearly that what, what God's expectation about this is. And in this passage, we've got some things going on where he's uh, talking about things that are given to the Lord. Um, in verse 26, he says, Only the firstlings of the beast, which should be the Lord's firstling, no man shall sanctify it, whether it be ox, sheep, it is the Lord's. Basically, he's saying the first of the flock, that's his. Don't touch it. Doesn't, doesn't have any other use. So, you know, he's covering in, in, in Leviticus 27, 
Uh, he says in, in that, right there in verse 26, he's saying, no man shall sanctify it. And, and again, that's the important part because we're going to focus on this in just a minute. Don't use it for anything else. Don't use it for anything else. That's God's. And we talk about sanctification and, and that, that's, you know, a very, very fancy word, uh, for, uh, basically saying things that are set aside for the purpose of holiness. There were things that were sanctified specifically in the Old Testament for use. Another word would also be consecrated. And that means that they were again, if you will, set there for that specific purpose to be used of God. And that's what sanctification is about. So when we talk about our sanctification, it means that God has set us aside for his specific use. And that specific use we find in Ephesians 2.10, that we were saved unto good works. We're saved and we're supposed to be doing his will. That's our sanctification process. And we go through it. We, we, we've got to, you know, if you will, sanctify, if you will, our day daily. Go through an hour-by-hour hour process, making sure that that's set aside for him and him only. And, 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 and what we find here is he says, the firstling, that's his, nobody gets to touch it. In verse 27, he says, if it be of an unclean beast, then he shall redeem it according to thine estimation, and it shall add a fifth part of it thereto. Uh, or if it be not redeemed, then it shall be sold according to thy estimation. Talking again about something that is would be an unclean beast that was, again, a firstling or being offered, then it was something that they would say, okay, well, that can be bought, that can be sold, that can be whatever. But we need to understand some things about the word redemption. Redemption is where we're buying something back. Something is being purchased. Because in verse 28, things start getting very interesting very quickly. It says, notwithstanding, no devoted thing. And I want you to note this. We're talking about devotion tonight. No devoted thing that a man shall devote unto the Lord of all that he hath, both of man and beast, and of the field of his possession shall be sold or redeemed. Every devoted thing is most holy unto the Lord. He makes it clear here, if you devote something to God, you don't get to buy it back. It's his. You can't go to the, the, the priest and say, oh, you know, hey, I, I devoted, you know, 300 head of cattle. Well, I forgot I'm having a family reunion. I need at least 100 head of cattle back. doesn't work that way. You gave it to God. God says it's his. There's no argument. You don't get to buy it back. Now, if you noticed in there, it didn't just take possessions, but it was also of human beings. It said man beast. Take a look at what it says in verse 29. He says, none devoted, which shall be devoted of men, shall be redeemed, but shall be per- surely 
uh, shall surely be put to death. Now, obviously, back then, they would give, you know, you could give away, if you will, your maidservant, your manservant. You could do those type of things. And, but, but, but let's, let's also understand that this goes for the individual that devotes themselves to the Lord. If a person devoted themselves to the Lord, there was no way that they could buy themselves out of that situation. Now, we, we see situations occur where it's frequent, where, you know, they'll have uh, what are referred to as baby dedication services. Now, I'm just going to say, a lot of times people just go through the actions of baby dedication services for the sake of saying, oh, hey, I, I you know, I did that. I, I, I dedicated my child to the Lord without understanding what that really means. I see some of those services, and it's just kind of like, if you will, done with uh, a religiosity. At uh, yeah, you know, I do it because, well, you know, this is what we do. <laughs> if you devote that child to the Lord, it's His. Yeah. You don't get to buy it back. You don't get to lay claim to it. That child is God's. The same goes for our life. And if we've ever uttered the words that we are devoting our life to the Lord, it's His. And that's the finality of it. When we try to do something where we're, if you will, living on our own or redeeming it or, if you will, taking it back, there's a consequence. There's a fracture of a relationship. There's death that will occur. Death of a relationship. Things will break down. I mean, when you have two people that are devoted to each other, they're giving themselves to each other very specifically for the purpose of the other individual's use. It's kind of like what a marriage is about. You don't get to be your own. Mm -hmm. And to think that way is, well, unbiblical, according to 1 Corinthians 7. So we have to, to really truly understand this when it comes to devotion, what we're talking about. And I, and I want us to really understand that, that, that if we're going to devote ourselves to God, and we're going to devote time to God, and we're going to have what we refer to as daily devotions, nothing should intrude upon it. That's God's. And I think many times a lot of Christians don't realize and they think there's flexibility in it. They think, well, I've got liberty. Well, yes, you do, but not liberty to go against what your word is. Let's see a couple of passages. Uh, I, I want us to go over to, um, let's go over to Song of Solomon. Uh, just because we don't go to Song of Solomon enough. <laughs> Not a lot of sermons preached out of Song of Solomon. I tell you, if there was one book of the Bible that is avoided by most pastors, it's this one. 
Um, and uh, it, it's a shame. It's a shame. Uh, but I will tell you, it is a very, very, very heavy doctrinal book. A lot of people don't grasp it. A lot of times people will say, well, it's about Christ and his bride. And I, and I look at it and I go, well, it's more about the Lord and Israel. Because of what's going on here. You got to remember that that is, as the, the, the Lord refers to, uh, that's his bride. And, and a lot of people don't get that because he talks about writing him a bill of divorcement and things of that nature that he's gone through and, and so on and so forth and how he treats them and how, how God deals with Israel and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, a lot of the imagery, a lot of the words that he uses really aligns with that theme throughout this book. But if you take a look here in, in Song of Solomon in chapter two, and you jump down to verse sixteen, this is this is obviously a passage that is used a lot, and it's used and people put it on their uh, things in their home, on like you know a board or on a tapestry or something of that nature. But here it says in verse sixteen, "My beloved is mine, and I am his. He feedeth among the lilies." What we find here is we find, if you will, an area of devotion. And, and, and again, that's the way that this relationship with God works. I am his and he is mine. He is my savior. He is my Lord. He's my God. He's my everything. And I am his to do with whatever he will. I can't really claim and say, well, Jesus Christ is my savior. And then I get to go do whatever I want to do. If I'm making that claim, then I'm beginning to have what is referred to as a devoted relationship. And it becomes imperative that we understand what this, this relationship's like. And God makes it clear over there in the book of Leviticus that the Levites, as they're going through and estimating worth and doing things of that nature, here he stops and takes a moment and he pauses and he says, look, if somebody's going to devote themselves or going to devote a person to the Lord, giving that, whatever is being given to God should never be taken away. There are no takebacks. And we as believers need to really truly understand that concept. That if we're going to devote something to God, whether it's our children, whether it's our time, whether it's our career, whether it's an object, it's the Lord's. It belongs to Him. And I dare say that as a believer, we should be devoting ourselves to that. We should have that devotion mentality. That everything that we have is devoted for the Lord's use. Because if we don't and we say, well, I'm not going to devote that to God because, well, I want to use that for myself. Eh. Uh, let's put aside the selfishness. Let's put aside. And you know what selfishness is? It is the childish way that Paul was talking about. Remember when he said when he was a child, he thought as a child, when he became a man? Those childish things were put away? That's what needs to happen in our Christian life. We have to grow up. 
there's an expectation when a young believer begins to grow and they still are very self-centered like children are. Children can be very selfish because they actually think the world revolves around them. Sometimes it gets worse in the teenage years. Sometimes it gets really bad as young adults. And if they continue to grow up with that mentality and they never put away childish thinking, they will never mature. The quickest way to mature is to become selfless. The quickest way to grow up is to realize it's not about you. And I see this so how frequently happening where, where, where young people will like, they're on a, they're in a, you know, all fired hurry to grow up. And they're like, well, I, well, I want a job so I can be independent and I can buy my car and I can buy my own things and I can live my life. They've got it completely backwards. That's not how it works. The mentality should be, as they grow up, I'm going to devote my life more to the Lord. I'm going to devote the things that God gives me to the Lord. I'm going to seek to do His will and please Him. I'm going to love Him with everything that I have, and I'm going to love other people, and I'm going to be charitable, and I'm going to edify Him, as we talked about this morning in Sunday school. We begin to understand what real devotion is. And devotion is the selfless act. Devotion is surrendering of the will and saying, I am not going to be my own. I am not going to do my own will, but I am going to seek to do God's. As we go through the process of growing up in Christ, we begin to realize that we don't become as selfish anymore. We begin to seek to do and please God with our lives in every area. The end result is, is as we become more devoted to him and more things in our life, more items, more areas uh, are, are given to him, it becomes less and less and less and less and less about us and more and more and more about Jesus Christ. Because again, you know, we talked a little bit about this morning. He left everything to come down here and sleep under an olive tree. Have we gone that far for Jesus Christ? Have we devoted everything? Have we, have we surrendered everything? Have we, if you will, forsaken everything and left it all for the purpose of pleasing Him? He left it all for the purpose of pleasing the Father and for the purpose of dying on the cross for our sins, our gross, nasty, ugly sins. He died for on that cross, taking our punishment, taking our pain, what we deserve. Now there's devotion. There's devotion. Turn over to the book of Numbers. Let's go to Numbers 18. Again, to just kind of uh, 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 reinforce this in the book of Numbers, this is mentioned again. Numbers chapter 18 talking about some things that the priests and the Levites are doing and uh, some of the offerings and what's being given. Um, and, and again, he talks about what is the Lord's. It's given to him. It's given to, to God. And, and he makes it very clear here. Um, 
and, you know, what they're supposed to be doing with all of these things, where, you know, again, this is Lord, this is the Lord, if you look at verse 1, and the Lord said unto Aaron, thou and thy sons and thy father's house with thee shall bear the iniquity of the sanctuary. So he makes it very clear who he's talking to. And and, and the 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 Lord begins to to make this clear that there was a responsibility of stewardship. The Levites, while they didn't have any land, man, did they have one of the biggest tasks in all of Israel. You go through and you read what was the Levites were responsible for, it, it, it becomes, you, you can see how quickly somebody might say, well, that's too much. But with God, it was exactly what they needed. Look at what happens here in verse uh, verse 14. He says, Every devoted thing in Israel shall be thine. He's saying those things that are being brought, those things that are being, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, if you will, devoted to the Lord, you're in stewardship of them. I'm giving them to you for you to handle. For you to use for the purpose of, of pleasing God, worshiping Him, praising Him, giving Him sacrifices, all of these things. This is what was being given to the to, to the tribe of Levi. There was a stewardship about it. And we can take, a, if you will, a little bit of a note here, thinking about the things that are devoted to the Lord. There should be a stewardship in our life about what we've devoted to God. Are we using it for the right purpose? Are we using it for his glory, honor, and praise? Are we using it to further the gospel of Jesus Christ? What are we using it for? I'll tell you, this really becomes sensitive in a counseling session when you're dealing with an issue of, uh, of uh, uh, misuse of, let's just put it this way, misuse of internet resources. Somebody has a problem, they're looking at images that they ought not be looking at. Now, again, I'm I'm not just talking about things that are pornography. I'm talking about things that people should not be looking at. There's other things out there other than that 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 no Christian has a business looking at, looking into. There's stuff out there that will warp and twist your mind. And whether it's CNN or Fox News, I don't care. Because those can do it too. But let's go through this thought process. You're you're, you're counseling somebody and they're having a problem using the internet for the wrong reason. Using their phone for the wrong reason. Using a tablet for a wrong reason. Whatever it may be, whatever device it is. And you begin to ask them the questions. Okay, well, well, how did you come into possession of the device? Well, I purchased it. Uh, what did you purchase it with? Money. Okay, so we've established you didn't buy it with a goat. No, we bought it with money. Okay, where did the money come from? Well, a job. Okay, uh, who gave you that job? And they'll say, well, the name of the company. 
Like, well, no, 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 let's get more spiritual about this. Who gave you that job? You look at them and you kind of go, well, it's simple. It's it, it's a youth group answer. God, Jesus, <laughs> he gave it to you. Did he give you the ability to do that job? Yeah. Maybe that job required a degree. Did, 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 did you learn? Yeah. Who gave you the ability to learn? Again, very easy youth group answer. God. So if God gave you the ability and the talent and the knowledge to do the job, he gave you the life in order to be able to do the job, he is the one that is providing for you by the money that comes in from the company. And you purchased it with money that God gave you. Don't you think that that should be used for God's use and his only? Again, we begin to realize that there must be a stewardship with the devotion that we have towards our Savior. And it requires a thought process like that, going back and saying, well, where did it come from? When the Levites are using these things and they're talking, he's talking to their sons and, 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 you know, just, you know, kind of, if you will, this, this little scenario, here's this young boy and, and he's looking at all of these sheep and things that they're, the Levites are having to keep or, or, or looking at, uh, you know, if you will, uh, a manservant that is, that is serving and is helping. And the, the, the child asks, where did those come from? And his father says, well, those were given to, to, to your, your grandfather, Aaron. Well, how were they given to him? Because somebody gave them to God. And your grandfather Aaron is in charge of handling all of that and, 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 and making sure that those are too well taken care of and making sure that, that, that all of those things are being used for the purpose and glorification of God. This is stuff that we need to teach our children. This is how we begin to show our children what really means to live a devoted life under the Lord. The, the, the definition of devotion, I'll read it here. The definition of devotion is, is this, simply to vow. That's the short version. It's to appropriate by vow, meaning that you are giving something and you are saying it is God's. Okay? To set apart, much like sanctification and consecration. I am going to give this to the Lord and it's going to be used for him and him only. I am not going to mingle it or mix it with something that it shouldn't be. To dedicate by a solemn act to consecrate. We even find consecrate in there as synonym in the definition. But again, it's solemn. It's something that you take seriously. Not casually, but seriously. When a solemn act is performed, it's done in a very specific way, meaning that it's serious. It's to give up wholly. W-H-O-L-L-Y. 
meaning you don't give it and hold part of it back. You remember who did that over in the book of Acts? That didn't go so well for Ananias and Sapphira, did it? They wound up getting carried out. That went horribly for them. Because if they're going to purpose and you're going to say, I'm giving it to the Lord, and they're lying about it, there are consequences. There are consequences. By the way, that whole passage right there and what was going on was for those early believing Jews in, in, in the church. Remember, the Jews required a sign. How many of them began to have flashbacks of Leviticus chapter 27? Because <laughs> it says a field of possession, which is exactly what they did. And all of a sudden they're sitting there going, oh, <laughs> making that connection. It's how serious it is in the eyes of the Lord to give up holy. Interestingly enough, devotion is to addict. There's addictions to everything in this world. We find addictions in Scripture. What was the addiction in Scripture? There were saints that were addicted to the ministry of other saints. That's a good thing to be addicted to. Where you just can't get enough of helping people. I can't get enough of helping the church and helping the body of Christ and helping individuals in that congregation, I can't get enough of it. That's a good addiction. To direct the attention wholly or chiefly. It means that what we focus on in devotion is wholly about and chiefly, meaning preeminent, if you will, about Christ. But as we find, we find that word vow in there, kind of in that synonym, in that definition, we, we, we again need to understand what that talks about and what, how God views this. So if something was going to be devoted, it would be devoted with the vow. And you go through and you find throughout all of those Old Testament offerings, it would talk about if you're going to vow, and then it would talk about offerings that were given. So let's take a look at a couple of things. Let's go back over there, or well, we should still be in Numbers, Numbers chapter 30. Numbers chapter 30. This goes back to having the Old Testament being a schoolmaster to us, teaching us what we need to do in our daily life day to day. Now we are an offering, you know, heave offerings and wave offerings and things of that nature because that was all accomplished with Christ. But when we come with a, as a, I'm going to quote Romans 12, do, you know, that living sacrifice that's holy and acceptable unto God. And he says, it's our reasonable service. We're sacrificing ourselves. We're devoting ourselves. We're vowing. And, and, and again, I want us to understand that devotion is not an optional thing for a Christian. It's something that must be done. They're like, well, it's not a free will devotion then. I get that, but yeah, it is, because you have a choice to live for yourself. But just remember this, you were bought with a price. You are not your own. 
Your body is not your own. It doesn't belong to you. You don't belong to yourself. You're God's and he is, he's, he, 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 he's very much a stickler about using things the correct way. Take a look at Numbers chapter 30. Numbers chapter 30 and in verse 2. And again, just want to back up to verse 1 just so we can understand some context. Moses spake unto the heads of the tribes of Israel concerning the children of Israel. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Let's just take that in just for a moment and realize the Lord commanded this. If a man vow a vow unto the Lord or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. Now, the rest of the passage deals with, uh, you know, vows being said by uh, by wives and so on and so forth. But But here he makes it very clear. He says, if you vow a vow, God's going to hold you to it. So people will go back and they will start quoting Ecclesiastes uh, 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 5, verses 4 and 5, where it starts talking about, well, you know, you're know, vowing a vow, you got to be careful. And we'll read that passage in just a moment. But, but, but under, you know, and they're saying, well, then I'm, I'm going to keep my mouth shut and I'm not going to vow anything. That's not what God wants, okay? He's just warning you. He's giving the expectation. That as you serve him and as you please him and you vow something and you're doing this as a daily devotional thing, as you are seeking to please the Lord with every day of your life, every hour that you're given, because it's all a blessing and a gift from God, by the way, because you can just, in a moment's eye, be gone. But here he's saying, look, you, you all of these things, keep in mind, that as a believer, these are vows that should be performed and should be done. If we're going to vow a vow unto the Lord, then we need to make sure we keep it. So many times people are guilty of doing that. They're in a you know situation. They're in a, in a dire, uh, if you will, straits, and they're they're going through some 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 troubles and some some problems, and they cry out on the God, God, if you get me out of this mess, I will serve you wholly. Be careful. Well, I I I, I, I then I'm not going to see. I'm not going to vow that vow. You should vow that vow. Why? Because that should be your heart's desire. You should desire the help of the Lord. Go read the book of Psalms. <laughs> How many times did the psalmist call out and cry out for help? How many times did he need God? How about Paul? My grace is sufficient for thee is what God says to him. And then he says, I will glory in my infirmities. For when I am weak, he is strong. His strength, not mine. I need his help. So yeah, I would vow a vow. I would vow a vow. I'll be very transparent. You're lying in a hospital bed. And you're like, man, I, I, I cannot begin to describe how much I wanted out of that place. I can't begin to describe how 
how painful it was when you go to the ER and they'd say, well, we're going to admit you. And you're just sitting there going, and you groan. And when you're in there for a long period of time, I'll tell you this, and you're, you're, you're alone and you've got nothing else to do except to pray to God. And you're praying and you're having, you know, communing with him. I, I did say several times, Lord, I just want this to be done. Help me get through this. I will continue to serve you. I will continue to try to please you with my life. Yeah, I made that vow. I've got to be a steward of it. Don't, 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 but, but again, I needed to take that seriously. Because God heard it. There must be the follow through. There must be the follow through. He shall not break his word. He shall not break his word. We have to be very, very careful. When people start talking about breaking their word, you know, obviously they're talking about promises that are made. Man, sometimes, you know, there are things that happen where we do make promises. Oh, yeah, I'll be there to help you on such and such a date. But then the car breaks down, so on and so forth. Things that are out of our control. We understand those things. Those things happen. But the Lord is not just talking about making a vow to a man, another man to a man, or a woman to a woman, or whatever it may be. Uh, we're talking about things that are made to God. And I'll tell you this, if God was part of the marriage service, you made a vow unto the Lord. You made a vow unto the Lord. But what we find here in this passage is we find, he says, you're going to do everything that comes out of your mouth, whatever you say. Turn to another passage over in the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, Deuteronomy chapter 23. Uh, Let's jump down to verse uh, 21. It says, when thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it. For the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it would be sin in thee. God just made it really clear that when we don't keep our word to what we say to the Lord, it's sinful. We don't want to sin. You should not want to sin. You should not have that, if you will, concupiscence where you just have this lust and desire to sin constantly. What we should make sure that we have in our life is a desire to please the Lord. And if we realize that, man, we're making a vow to the Lord and we're devoting ourselves to Him on a day-to-day basis, if we're holding something back, that's going to be a sinful pattern that we develop in our life. Especially if we're trying to hold back part of ourselves from being fully and wholly devoted to Him. And if we have devoted ourselves to God, 
we're his, not, we don't get to keep that little part. It's all his. Well, Lord, I'm going to serve you in every area of my life, but this little area right here, this is mine, this is where I have my fun. Nope. Nope, doesn't work that way. That's not devotion. That's not devotion. Devotion is being wholly given. You don't get to take it back, not even a single part of it. Not even a single part of it. Over in Ecclesiastes, uh, we reference this passage, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. This is the one, again, where people, well, I'm just not going to vow anything. Well, and then you, you know, I'll tell you this, if you're not willing to vow anything to God, then there's an issue of pride. I'll just come out and say it. If you're not willing to give God anything, if you're not willing to give God your life, if you're not willing to give God uh, what he has already purchased, then then you've got a problem in your heart that you've got to get corrected. There's a, there's a greater issue. There's a greater issue. We should want to vow. We should want to devote our lives to the Lord. We should want to do that on a daily basis and say, Lord, this is your hour. Help me please you. If you're at work, you should say, Lord, this is your hour. I'm going to try to please you and honor you with all of it. This isn't about me making money. This is about me pleasing my Savior with what I do. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and in verse 4, it says, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than thou, uh, than, uh, that thou shouldest not, or shouldest vow and not pay. Now again, Solomon makes that statement saying, well, it's better to not vow than to break the vow. But he's not saying don't vow. What he's saying is vow and pay. Vow and pay. You know, I, I, I know that weighed very heavily on Solomon's heart for him to write this. Because he had vowed some things about himself to do to God. And in the end, he wound up serving a whole bunch of other gods. And God said, eh, there's going to be a punishment for that. But here we find very clearly, he's saying, look, you're going to vow, vow, pay it. And I can almost see, see, hear the exasperation in that verse 5, where he says, better is it that thou shouldest not vow. Why? Because I'm sure that weighed very heavily on his heart when the Lord pointed it out and there was massive conviction and there was nothing else he could do about it. Because it was opportunity lost that he could not get back. It was glory that was not given to the Lord. He can't go back in time and give God glory for it. It was lost. It was expended. It was gone. And that weighed heavily upon him. But I want to conclude with this. I want us to go to the book of Psalms.
Psalm chapter 61. You ever get a song stuck in your head? Yes. Sometimes it's good songs. Sometimes when you're out in the retail world and you're buying things, sometimes it's 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 wicked songs. <laughs> and you're trying to get it out and you're like using, you know, scrubbers. You know, again, it's you know, becomes important about what we listen to, what we what we have. And, uh, and and I'll tell you this, you know, having a good song to sing is something that we need to understand. There, there's a lot to be said there, man. There's a sermon in the songs that we sing to God. But I'll tell you this, God gives us everything that we need to be able to perform that which he requires of us and that which we say in a vow that we're going to do. The devotion. And I dare say that if, if you really truly want to really get a handle on devotional material from the Lord, using it scripturally, there should be an integration of music and song into it. Psalm chapter 61, and take a look at verse 8 here. <clears throat> Psalm 61a, he says, So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. It's really hard to sin when you're singing, Jesus loves me. It is really hard to break the vow of devotion when we're singing, all the stanzas of and can it be. It's really hard to do the wrong thing when Amazing Grace is playing over and over and over and over again. There's there's this song that I've heard recently and it is taken right out of the book of 1 Thessalonians and it is singing about meeting the Lord in the air, and it's 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 a good song. I I love that song because it really encourages me. It really really lifts me up, and it's scripture. It's scripture, and and, and it's great. I love it. And that since I've heard it, it has been playing in my head almost like constantly. It's just constantly there. And if another song tries to creep in there that may not be godly or something, then that song can really supersede it and, if you will, uh, remove it. But in order to perform the daily vows, uh, I'm going to close with this. In order to perform the daily vows, it's almost as if they have to be sung in song. It's almost as if they have to be sung to the Lord as you're doing them. Kind of be with that, 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 that voice because it brings about that joy as you sing, you know, and, and again, I'm a horrible singer, but I can, I, man, I am a just absolutely wonderful singer in my own head. But, <clears throat> but I'll tell you this, you know, you're sitting there singing and you're like, Oh Lord, I'm going to vote this time to you. 
whatever it may be, that's a horrible thing. Yeah, I know. I didn't flick you with that. But, <clears throat> but think about that for a second. If you're purposing to sing that, and you're purposing to sing about the devotion that you're going to give to the Lord, that's going to help you perform those daily vows. Your daily devotion. What you do on a day-to-day basis. And I say all that to say this. The point behind this message is, is you're going to devote something to the Lord. You're going to devote yourself. Don't try to take it back. Just give it wholly unto Him. Let Him use it. Let Him use you. Let Him use you every hour of the day. Let Him use you for His glory. It's far better than devoting yourself to something else in this life. I mean, really, what are you going to devote yourself to? There's nothing out there that just brings that joy. There's nothing out there that brings that happiness. It might be a fleeting moment of pleasure, but that's about it. But devoting yourself to the Lord, that's where the real treasure lies. That's where the real treasure in life lies. Serving Him and pleasing Him. You begin to realize that when you think about the parable of the servant that was given the talent, he said to that servant, well done, a good and faithful servant. Why? Because he simply used what God had given him for the glory of the master. That's simple faithfulness. What have we been given, and are we, are we using it for him? Are we devoting it to him? The servant knew that it was the Lord's that had been given. It was devoted to him. It wasn't about what the servant got. It's about what glory the master gets. We need to keep that in mind. Let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer. Brother Mike Perry, would you dismiss us, please?